Before the lesson this evening, we'll sing number 810. 810, listen to our hearts. If it's convenient for you, won't you stand as we sing this song? How did you explain? How do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes, Lord, you know all our fears, and words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for to hear. So listen to our hearts. Hear our spirits sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you why. Tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. If words could fall like rain from these lips of mine, and if I had a thousand years, Lord, I would still run out of time. If you listen to my heart, So listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are, but words are not Tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. Please be seated. If you have your Bibles, you might be opening them, them opening them to Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew chapter 13 is where our text, our primary text, will come from tonight. It is great to see everyone with us tonight. Uh, it's especially good, I was going to say, to see Steve and Dee with us, but Steve has left to go who knows where. Uh, he was there 30 seconds ago. But, uh, I, you know, I just appreciate so much the work that, that they've done. And I've thought over the last several months about my willingness and whether or not I would be willing to do what they do. And I don't know, I would imagine that most of us would have questions about whether or not we would be willing to do that. And uh, I don't exactly know the answer to that, but I do appreciate their answer to that. And, uh, and I believe that there are going to be people in heaven as a result of them. 
And so uh, we appreciate their work and uh, just good to see them back with us. Haven't gone to eat Mexican nearly as much since Steve has been gone, and so uh, that's a perk for him being back. Uh, there are several of us that are going to be leaving uh, in two weeks to go to Jamaica to work with the church there. Uh, myself and Shelly, uh, Terry Wright and Beth White are going to be going. The ladies are going to be doing a vacation, a vacation Bible school, and I'm going to be preaching and uh, doing Bible studies during the day. And uh, we're excited about that, but I do covet your prayers. I know it's not Nigeria, but it's enough to make me nervous. Uh, anywhere you go where the, where the police officers carry automatic weapons, it makes me sweat. Uh, so if you would definitely pray for us, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, also let you know of an opportunity that we are looking for some people to sponsor some bags. Uh, the airlines charge about $40 a bag, and we need some bags to take Bibles and materials to those brethren. And if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, you can come and see me, and I can show you how, we can, how you can help us out in that effort. So many great things. I mean, I, I was thinking about that during Bill's prayer, of how many great mission efforts in this community and all over this world uh, that this congregation uh, is involved in. And appreciate the individuals here from World Bible School tonight. And just, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting to see so many great works and so many people involved in those works. I want us to continue tonight to look at some parables of Jesus. And tonight, we have a very short parable. But, but it's a parable that's a very powerful parable. You know, I, one of the things that I like to do, I like to read. And because I like to read, I assume everybody else likes to read. And I like to give people books. And probably one of the books that I've given people as much as any other book is, is a book called Choosing to Cheat. And it caught my attention the very first time that I saw it. What is this about choosing to cheat? But the, the, the premise of this book is, is the idea that, that you can't give all of yourself to everything. You can't give all of yourself to everybody. Uh, you can't give everything that you have to your job and everything that you have to your family. You can't do it. Because if you give everything that you have to your job, then your family is going to suffer, right? Or if you give everything that you have to some, to some volunteer work, the, the other people are going to... You have to make choices. At some point you have to say, okay, I'm going to take away from something over here so that I can give to these folks over here or to this area over here. It's, just, it's an interesting sort of book that we need to learn to cheat some people in order to give to others. Well, I think that that might be a part of what is at the bottom of this parable of the pearl of great price. Jesus said this in Matthew 13 and verse 45. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearl, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. He tells us the story of this man who is going and he is looking for this, for this perfect pearl. And, it, and he is not just looking for it, he finds it. But in order to, to make it his, he realizes he has to give up everything. The Bible says he goes and he sells everything that he has. Can you picture that? Can you picture finding something that is so valuable or it's, so, it's, it's worth so much to you that, that you know you have to have it and whatever the cost is, you're going to take hold of this. 
And you go home and you realize, you know what? Th those baseball cards out in the garage, they've got to go. And the lawnmower's got to go. And, and my car has got to go. And my house has got to go. And all of my fine clothes. And my, all of my wife's jewelry. And even, even that precious family heirloom that I've been holding on to. I'm going to sell it all so that I can have this one thing. That's the story he tells about this man who sells everything so that he can lay hold of this one precious pearl. It's so precious, it's worth giving up everything. He says that, that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's something that's worth giving up everything. And the reality is, this parable is going to look different in every person's life. Because as we pursue the kingdom of God, we're going to be called upon to give up a lot of different things. We're going to be called upon to sacrifice in different ways. But when we do, whatever we sacrifice, it will be worth the sacrifice. I like the point that Jim was making this morning. And one of the reasons I chose this parable is in some ways to, to complement the text that we had this morning. Uh, of Paul who looked at his life and he said all of those things that mean so much to so many people and, and at some degree should have meant something to him. He said, I count that all as loss. But I like the point that, 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 that Jim made this morning about, about our own family and about, about some of the things that, that, that you give up to be married to the person that you're married there's that country song that's out right now and it's pretty popular about, about, the, about the girl who asked her husband, you know, what would it be if, if you'd never found me? And, you, and he starts, you know, he'd, I'd be a lot better fisher, a lot better bass fisher than I am today. And I'd probably eat a lot more fried chicken and I'd have a lot more times with the boys. Right? You've heard that song? But his point is not that I'm missing all those things. The point is, who cares about those things? All those things that so many people spend so much time on, I'd rather have you. I'd rather have you. It's so worth it. I think about my wife. I think about my children. The things that you give up. Uh, you have a brother in Christ, one of the, one of the most more, more spiritual men I've ever met in my life, and is, is a member of the church there in Tompkinsville, Kentucky. And Fowler is, his name is Fowler, and he's, he's an avid golfer plays golf at, at some point almost every day. But his daughter told me about one day when she was a little girl that her daddy who played golf every day came in and said, I'm done playing golf. And he took his golf clubs and he put them in the closet and he didn't touch them for almost 15 years because he said, I can't play golf every day and be there for my daughter and I'd rather be there for my daughter. He gave up, but it was worth it because of what he laid hold of. And those things just help us to see in some small way what Jesus is trying to say here about this pearl that is so valuable. It's worth giving up whatever we have to give up to lay hold of it. I remember one of the very first sermons that I ever preached was about counting the cost 
remember someone gave me one of those little sermon outline books, and I read that, and I thought, you know what, I know exactly what this is talking about. It's a text that we've all, we've all seen there in Luke 14. But Jesus said this, and let's just read it real quickly. Jesus says, if, if anyone comes after me and doesn't, doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers, sister, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and not able to finish it, well, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, saying, well, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not, will not first sit down and take counsel, whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while, or, or else while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his possessions. Therefore, salt is good. But, even, but, if, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or, or, or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Now he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That was the, one of the very first sermons that I preached. And I remember, I remember when I preached that, here was the greatest sacrifice that I had ever made in my life. And, and if I truth be told, I was a little bit proud of this. When, when, when I was a junior in high school, I was on the high school wrestling team. And that was my life. I ate it and I, 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 I dreamed about it. I mean, it just ruled everything in my life. I'm not trying to tell you I was any kind of a great athlete because I was not a great athlete. But, but I lived it. All right? I, I was two years varsity and the people depended upon me. And I came to the realization, and this was my own personal, my own personal choice to make, that, that it was hurting my spiritual life. And I walked in one day and I, I gave my headgear to my coach and I said, I can't do it anymore. I can't do this like, like we've been doing before. I've got some other things that, that need my attention. And one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made in my life, okay? But in my mind, that's what it meant when Jesus said, you need to count the cost. You need to get ready to sacrifice. And while I don't want to undermine that or belittle that sacrifice, friends, life has taught me that that's a pretty shallow sacrifice. That there are people every day who face things, matters of life and death, matters of heartbreaking stories, matters of terrible situations, wherein they sacrifice so that they can lay hold of that pearl of promise. Jesus says, you can't have everything. You can't be like the world. You can't be just like the world, having everything and doing everything and being everything that they are. If you are, then, then what good are you? If you are, then, then, then how are you adding flavor? How are you seasoning the world? The answer is that, that you're not. And He calls on us, I want you to understand that as a part of your Christianity, you're going to be called to do things. You're going to be called to go places. You're going to be called to make decisions that are hard decisions. That are, cha- that, that, that are things that will challenge you to your very soul. And, and I want you to be ready for that. I want you to understand these things. It's always amazed me that when people come, when, when, when people come to Jesus, you, you, you look at the accounts of people coming to Jesus, and over and over, here's what He does. Before He welcomes them with open arms, Jesus always says, wait a minute, are you sure? 
Are, are you sure that you want to be one of my followers? Do, do you understand that we don't have a place to sleep at night? Do you understand that, that, that we don't have a place to call home? Do you understand what, what might be asked of you? It may never be asked of you, but it might be asked of you. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the challenges of faith wherein the devil will take you places and challenge you in ways that you never wanted to be challenged? Are you ready for that? If you're ready for it, if you're ready for it, then that's the most amazing commitment that you can ever make. And the point of the parable is, it's going to be worth it. Whatever you sacrifice, whatever you have to go and sell off, whatever you have to do without, whatever hardship you have to bear in this life, when it's compared to the, to the eternal glories that, that await, it's worth it. But I want you to understand that. I want you to understand what sometimes it takes to lay hold of that pearl of great price. Let us not think that we can have the crown without bearing the cross. I don't know what the cross looks like in your life. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but Jesus says, whatever it looks like, it's worth it. It's worth it to lay hold of that pearl of promise. You know, one of the things that sometimes the, the gospel of Christ can cost us, it can cost us our own family. You know, we, we, we've talked about these things before, but, but the very true reality is that the gospel can create division in our own families. With our own flesh and blood, our mothers and fathers, our children, our, our aunts and uncles, our grandparents. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 34, He said, Do not think. Don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Of course, the angels proclaim peace on earth, right? And the reality is that, that this is a book that, that leads us to great unity and it ultimately leads us to peace. Peace that we can only find in Jesus Christ. But before we get to that peace, there must be a willingness to follow His words. And when people don't follow His words, this actually becomes a book of great division. And that's not a good thing, and that's not a pleasant thing. But Jesus says, you need to understand that. You need to understand what, what this book can do to your own family. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. For he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The reality is that sometimes in order to lay hold of that precious pearl of promise, it can cost us some of the most precious people in our lives. Some of you know the pain of having children who have rejected the most precious thing that you could ever offer to them. Some of you know the struggles of having parents who refuse to open their eyes to the blessings that, that the gospel has brought into your life. And you struggle with those things on a daily basis. I get that. Jesus says you keep struggling with those things. And as hard and as painful as they are, they're worth it. If one day you might lay hold of that pearl of promise. Now, I've made no secret that, that uh, you know, uh, just because you're the preacher, that doesn't mean that you have a perfect family. 
We have, we have interesting family get-togethers at, at, at the Hazel clan just as well as they do at, at, at your family get-togethers. But you know, I think I've told you before that there was a decade of my life that I didn't really have a relationship with my brother. And even to this very day, our, our relationship is not exactly what I would want it to be because, because we haven't been close for, for a very long time. But the reason we haven't been close is because he chose a path that rejected Jesus. He chose a life that, 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 that rejected the will of God. And, and, and our lives, while, while I love my brother and, and wasn't hateful to him, our lives were incompatible. We couldn't be close. We couldn't be best friends because of the choices that he was, had made and the choices that I had made. And that was really hard. I don't like that. I don't even like to really think about that. But you know, you know, a few weeks ago I got the bulletin from the Jackson Church of Christ. And most of us don't even look at the church assignments, but on the back of the Jackson Church of Christ bulletin, down to lead the closing prayer on a Sunday night, it said, Keith Hazel. And I can't tell you how happy that made me to see that that he's changed his life, that he's come back to the Lord. But I wonder, I wonder if he would have done that if the rest of the family had said, you know, it doesn't matter. You just do what you want to do and we're not, and we're not going to make any judgments about those things. We're not going to say right or wrong and we're just going to follow. You see, all throughout his rebellion, there was a standard that these things are not acceptable and that we love you and that we want you to come back more than anything but that we won't compromise our faith, our prize for your prize. And that's ultimately what led him back to the prize. Was it hard? Yes. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes the gospel of Christ can cause, can cause us to lose our own possessions. To lose our own possessions. And this is one of those things that makes us so uncomfortable, but... We think of the words of Jesus when he, when, he spoke, when he spoke to that rich young ruler in Mark 10. And he said, well, there's, there's one thing. This, these are really the words of Jesus that he spoke to a real man. There's one thing that you lack. I want you to go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But, these words, but at these words he fell on his face. And he went, his face fell and he went away grieved. For he was one who owned much property. And if you ever taught a Bible class, you know the response that, that, that comes from these verses. It is that overwhelming desire that we have to make sure that those words really aren't words that are for us today. Right? I mean, those hands that go up, and yeah, but, but that was... For, that we, we, don't, we just want to be real clear that we don't really have to go out and sell everything that we have and give it to the poor. That, that was for him, but, but not for us. And I'm not saying that we have to do that, but I am saying those really were Jesus' words to a real man. Why? Because he was in the grip of his possessions. Because he was being ruled by his possessions. And the reality is, if we're being ruled by our possessions, then that really is the remedy that God prescribes today. Tear out that eye. Cut off that hand. Take extreme measures. Sometimes our faith can cost us our things and our possessions. I have a, I have a good friend who uh, several years ago had a thriving business. 
this is uh, when we lived in Kentucky, he was a physical therapist. And he was one of the only physical therapists in the entire county. And everyone went to see him. And he would work from the time he got there to late into the night. People were constantly coming. And you didn't matter what time, you could always see his truck at his, at his business that was right there downtown. And because of that, you know what he made. You know what these doctors and therapists make, don't you? They made, he made a lot of money. And he, and he was able to build this, I mean, this beautiful home. And, and I never got to go in it, but I saw enough from the outside to know that he wasn't a preacher. Okay? He, this, this was palatial. And then one day I heard a rumor that he was selling his business. And I went and I asked him, I said, is it true that you're selling your business? And he said, yeah, it's true. And he had taken a job working for some, some sort of group that came into town and he was going to go around and do in-home physical therapy. And I asked him, I said, well, that can't pay as well as what you're doing now. And he said, it doesn't. It doesn't pay nearly the money that I'm making now. But he said, Wes, I've got a baby on the way. I've got a child that's about to be born. And I can't work the way that I've been working and be there for my family at the same time. And so I gave up my practice. And he wasn't going to be suffering either way. But he said, I gave up my practice so I could be home at 5 or 6 o'clock at night. I gave up my practice so, so, so that I could be there for my family. So that I could be the man that God wants me to be. How awesome is that? There was a man who quit his job over this book. Over the will of God. I don't think that was an easy decision. But he said, it's going to be worth it. Whatever it is I have to do, I'll do it so that I can serve God. Social comforts. Sometimes we're called upon to give up those, those social comforts, those things that make us so easy in our society. If we're the salt of the earth, friends, we're not going to be like everything, everybody else and everyone else, everything else in the world. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, he said, speaking of, of, their, of, their, of their worldly friends, that they have pursued a course of sensuality, of lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties and abominations, idolatries. And in all this, they, the people of the world, they are surprised that you don't run with them in the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. Well, they, they make fun of you. And as much as people may say, oh, I don't mind being different, it's not easy to be different. I think about this verse so often when I think about, when I think about my own children. Am I willing for my children to do without? Am I willing for my children to, to not fit in with other people of the world? That's hard. I mean, it's one thing for, for me to say, well, well, I'm just going to pursue my own course and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to be my own man. But am, am, am I willing for my son or for my daughter to not understand it when someone looks at them strange? When someone, when someone doesn't understand or gives disapproving looks? As convicted as I am about some things, that's a hard thing. That's hard on me as a parent. It's hard on them as a child. I hope that any parent who's, who's striving for, for godliness in their life and their children, you, you understand these things. The, the difficulty, the temptation just to say, just go and be like everybody else and just enjoy your life. 
But that's not what a Christian looks like. But I have to be reminded, as difficult as that is, one day it's worth it. Because that true success is, is not fitting in or being popular or everyone loving you. That true success, whether in my life or these children's life, is for them to live their life and to go to heaven. And that's all that matters. And as simple as that is, do I not have to remind myself as an individual, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a member of the... Do I not have to remind myself of that on a very regular basis? Because I so often get distracted by the things of the world, by the social comforts and fitting in. What about our own life? Our own life. And we hinted at this at the beginning, but would I really be willing to die for Christ? Would I be willing to suffer persecution? Would I be willing to have my things taken away? There are people in the Bible that had their, their possessions taken away from them. We, we are so, so blessed, aren't we, to live in the nation that we live in? But do we not understand that our nation is not what it used to be? And this world is a very dangerous and scary place many times for Christians? A friend in India told me about, told me about his mother whenever he was gone preaching in some nearby village, and, 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 and how many of, of the Hindu, uh, some, some of the people that practice Hindu, came in and took everything that his mother possessed, and they threw it out into the street and burned her house down. Because she was a follower of Jesus Christ. I've been thinking about what Steve said all day today. Jim, your sermon was pretty good, but Steve kind of stole the show this morning. When he said he got up for church on Sunday morning in Nigeria and he said we were going to go to church and after church we were either going to go home or we were going to go to heaven. I never faced that. I mean, we theorize about it, but we talk about it, but it's, it was real. When you really have to make a choice, when you say, when you say, is. Is this thing worth dying for? Friends, we, we struggle with getting up to be at Bible class at 9 o'clock, let alone dying for it. Jesus says, this is so precious, there ought to be no sacrifice that you would not make, even to the point of dying yourself. That pearl of great promise. But all of this to say, whether you give up power, whether you give up position, whether you give up possessions, whether you give up your own life, whatever it is that we're called upon, the point of the parable is this, that it's worth it. It's worth it because one day you will lay hold of that precious pearl of promise. The kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who is seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. Friends, we are to be a people who are seeking that pearl of great price. And we have opportunities every day to lay hold of it. And I'm begging us and imploring us to do whatever it takes. To sell whatever we have to sell, figuratively speaking. To give up whatever we have to give up. To deal with whatever we have to deal with. 
so that one day we can take hold of the most precious treasure that our eyes have ever beheld, so that we can lay hold of things that are too wondrous for us to even comprehend and that I certainly don't have the words even to describe for you tonight, so that one day that great and precious pearl may be ours. Friends, if you're not a Christian tonight, why not? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from coming? There's some of you in our audience tonight who have never obeyed the gospel. There are some in this audience tonight who have never been born again and been washed in the waters of baptism to have your sins washed away. And I don't know why, but I'm asking you to deal with those things. I'm asking you to settle whatever it is that has to be settled so that you can be right with the Lord. There are some here tonight who are struggling in their faith and you're in need of forgiveness and you're in need of strength, but, but things keep you from making those choices. And my plea is that you will do whatever needs to be done to give your life to Jesus Christ, to take hold of that pearl. Friends, come tonight as we stand and as we sing. that need to be made before we're dismissed. If you have not had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper this evening, it has been left prepared for you. You can exit to uh, the, your left of the auditorium, my right, and you will be served. Um, Brother Eddie uh, gave me a note. Brother Eddie wanted me to remind the mission committee of a short meeting in the library immediately following services. All right. uh, number 474 will be our dismissal song this evening. 474. Thank you, Lord. Following this song will be led in prayer.
Thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let us all, one accord, sing praises to Christ the Lord. Let us all unite in song to praise Him all day long. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Please reveal your will for me so I can serve you for eternity. Use my life in every way. Take hold of it today. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my Our God and our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy great and glorious name. Father, we're thankful for this night, for this assembly of your people. To many of us, it is a pearl of great price. In fact, I was reminded of that tonight by a gentleman in the audience. The greatness of this congregation. You have so bountifully blessed us. You've watched over us and kept us. We pray for a continuation. Be with us as we depart. Keep us in thy service. Bless us, Father, when we're right, but never hesitate to correct us when we're wrong. Be with those that are less fortunate and those that are sick, those that are in the hospital, for those in the nursing homes. There are so many that need you every hour of every day as we do. Dismiss us now. Watch over us. Be with us till the next appointed time at the next appointed place. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.